Hello, and welcome to Sharing Contently. Hey guys, so I'm one of your hosts, my name is Lauren, and my revenge song would be called Know Your Worth, Then Add Tax. Oh, oh, that's good. I had no idea what we were doing, and I love this concept. <laughs> Give me a moment here. I knew you'd need a moment. I knew you wouldn't be yeah, ready. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, who, who could be? Yeah, no, mine would just be Trust Me, and I think you can do a lot with that. Ooh. Because that could be very, like, seductive, but then it could also be like, trust me, I know better. But then it's also like, trust me, I like it, but it scares me. We are talking about Six today, which is a relatively new musical on the scene that has kind of crossed both of our thresholds in different ways. I'm so excited to do this episode. I thought this would be very much up your alley. So Six is, of course, a modern musical that takes on the stylings of your traditional modern girl bands to retell the story of Wives and Henry VIII. Yeah, it's got that girl power, Spice Girls vibe. I absolutely love it. Now, we will have a spoiler section today because there's a couple of interesting elements that we threw out that I need to talk about at the end. So I'm going to launch into a plot summary, which is spoiler-free, but as always, stick around after our outro and you can check out our real honest thoughts about what they do with some of the material, but this section is relatively spoiler-free. All right, Lauren, so tell me about the plot of this, I don't know how many, hundred-year-old story. At least 500-year-old story. Okay. Give that sounds about right. <laughs> All right. The six wives of Henry VIII have joined together to form the ultimate girl group. However, one question remains. Who should be their lead singer and the star of the band? Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard and Catherine Parr join together to share their grief, compare their life tragedies and decide once and for all whose tragic backstory gives them the right to be the one to lead the band. And that's basically all I can say at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's great. Yeah, the musical very much just each wife, each character gets their song and this is who they are and then we just move on to the next one. Yeah. And it's a flimsy structure in which to present that. It's very siloed and I would say it's an amazing musical but one criticism I have is I don't like calling it a musical. I mean the soundtrack is only an hour long and I imagine the stage show would be less than an hour and a half if you saw it live but I just I don't know that you can call it a musical when it's so short I want to call it like a theatrical experience or something the terminology seems a little bit vague to me oh yes humans and our need to put things in categories and have defined terms Precisely. always a great system of course like would you expect anything less of this particular <laughs> podcast like no so I think the obvious place to start is with wife number one we have Catherine of Aragon so I loved her. I looked up photos of her costume online and it is the best out of the whole show. Oh, the costumes and design in this before we launch in are incredible. The motifs of a crown that they all have in various ways, but with their modern girl group stylings, the way that they incorporate little details. Like I'm pretty sure Anne Boleyn has an A or maybe it's a B on a choker around her neck. They all have... The, you pointed this out, microphone holsters that resemble sort of a sword holster. Anne of Cleves has a earring that has IV, which is the Roman numerals for four, because she's the fourth wife. Yeah. I loved that as a detail. But Catherine of Aragon, her entire ensemble was, I think, the best. It's gold. It's stunning. She's got this almost like real traditional Renaissance crown that is these kind of sun spurts over a horizon is how I would describe it. It's stunning. So here's my thing with the vibe of Catherine of Aragon's song. So her song is called No Way, and it's a very sassy, high-energy, R&B-style song. And it reminds me of Beyonce in that era that was, like, just pre her whole Sasha Fierce phase. End of that whole Halo Irreplaceable album. But it really reminds me of kind of that pocket of time. I don't know what happened in there, but pre-Lemonade Beyonce is what I would say. If you say so, um, my single really point of touchstone for girl bands and girl power stuff is Spice Girls. And even then, I'm only vaguely aware of what's going on there. I think <laughs> if you pushed me, I might be able to name most of the Spices, but it would be a real challenge. I want to see that. I know there's Sporty. Sporty, baby. I, I didn't even have that. <laughs> I would have forgotten. Um, is, oh, is, come on, Jake. The, the, there's five <laughs> of them. It's not hard. Just pick adjectives at this point. I, I want to say Sexy Spice, but no. that sounds wrong. I'm already... <laughs> I can hear your partner Mel in the background yelling at you right now and you deserve it. Yeah. You deserve it. No, I, I probably do, but yeah, this is this is my point. This has never been 
like a thing that I've been involved in at the same time. I could say the same with boy bands. I enjoy music in a very unengaged way, shall we say. It's not a bad thing necessarily. No, I don't. I'm perfectly fine with it. I've accepted this about myself. You're giving me, you know, this person in, you know, this artist in this period before this. I'm like, cool, You're like, great. sure, take your word for it, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I'm going to be reasonably quiet in this episode. As the historical things I expect that you will know more about, as well as the cultural motifs. Well, look, I really like Catherine of Aragon's song. I like her attitude. I think her characterization is really fleshed out you get she's spanish she obviously has a very strong connection to the catholic church i won't bore you with a history lesson as to why that is but just take their word for it she does and that's obviously going to become very contentious in time this is something that i'm actually quite interested to hear and just those sort of little tidbits Mm. of how the actual history ties into it i've never been so ready in my life you know, the most I know of about, I will say that there was a time where I tried to learn about the English monarchy and stuff, mostly because I got really interested in the history of Game of Thrones and was trying to learn all the Targaryens. Well, it's based on the War of the Roses, Game of Thrones. Well, but not only is it based on the War of the Roses, but the history is based on the history. There's a king who is directly meant to signify Henry VIII. Yeah. One of the historical Targaryens. Oh. Okay, interesting. He splits the church. He has several wives. It's Aegon the Unworthy. Of course it is. Well, as far as the history the history goes, so obviously Catherine of Aragon was previously married to Henry's older brother, Arthur, who was heir in line to the throne, and they were married for a number of years, and he died on her. And I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but Henry was an avid protector of the Catholic faith. He actually used to write basically mini theses on aspects of sort of papal law and his interpretation of the Bible. And there's a famous verse in Leviticus that says that thou shalt not like marry thy brother's widow or something along those lines. Now, obviously, Catherine of Aragon is a highly prized bachelorette of her day, but it's against the Bible for him to marry her. So Henry VIII goes to the Pope, who's kind of like his best friend, and says, hey, look, she's kind of fit. I kind of want to get with that. And the Pope's like, oh, look, okay, technically I'll annul her marriage to your brother. We'll just white it out. It never happened and it's fine. And then obviously what happens is Anne Boleyn comes on the scene after her sister Mary that we'll get to in a hot minute because I have feelings and thoughts about the Boleyn sisters. (laughs) And he obviously sort of changes his mind and says, hey, she's kind of fit. I want to marry her. And the Pope's like, hang on, mate. I have already granted you one favor against the Bible. I'm not granting you another one. And that's where the Church of England kind of develops from that point there. So that's kind of the broad strokes history, which Catherine of Aragon does outline in her song. I think there would be, I assume, more dialogue in the show to explain that to the audience because it's not super explicit. But also, I don't think you need to know that to appreciate how fierce her song is because it's amazing. I was less enamored with the song. Like, it covers the broad strokes and like I understand what it's about, but it's nothing exciting. I mean, it's not my favorite, but I think considering you come off the introduction song where they're all like, hey, I'm divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived, yeah. you get Catherine of Aragon out the gate being like, uh, try and divorce me, bro, it ain't gonna work, which is basically <laughs> yeah. the sentiment of her song. I think that it really holds true and it sets the tone for what the show is gonna be for all the other queens yeah. to come to elevate that continuously. Uh, that is a very good point, and I think it does have some of that strongest quote-unquote girl power energy. Look, I think it's great. It sets the tone of the show. I think, like I said, her costume is beautiful. Like, I would die to wear that. It is just stunning. But yeah, I think it does everything it needs to do. It introduces people to the complexities of sort of that schism with the church in a very watered-down way, and it's enough that people go, okay, Anne Boleyn, I get, I get where the next wife is coming from because she's the one that kind of caused this tension. Yes. Yeah, so shall we jump into Anne Boleyn? So, okay, Anne Boleyn. For those of you who aren't massive history nerds like myself, Anne Boleyn is a little bit controversial because Henry was actually having an affair with her sister, historically, prior to all of this. Um, her sister Mary, who I believe is older than her, and he wanted to also have an affair with Anne. Now, Anne obviously knew his philandering ways and said, no, 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 if you want this, you've got to basically put a ring on it. So Henry's like, okay, challenge accepted. Let's make a church so I can divorce my wife and marry you. And that's essentially what happened. And you have the English Reformation as a result of that. And her song, I mean, I know that you said you don't feel like an expert in this genre, but I would yeah. characterize it as like Avril Lavigne during the girlfriend era crossed with Hayley Williams of Paramore. That's how I would conceptualize and, and encapsulate her her song. 
Would you agree? I think so. Again, <laughs> I'm so not an expert here. I'm feeling so out of my depth. But yeah, I think in that direction for sure. One of the things that I did find really interesting with this song, and I think more than anything else, and I believe it holds true to Anne Boleyn's character throughout the musical is it's incredibly modern yes in it talks about sending texts and replies and uses you know exo baby as kisses but you're right look it's very modern and it's it's kind of it plays on that style of like hey this boy slid into my dms and it's got that really seductress vibe that history pigeonholes her as i think as this grand seductress you know there's a whole historical quote like the plan to steal the man like objectively that's false because Henry was pursuing her. But it's really interesting how it reframes it as this kind of conversational relationship that develops into more. And she has no interest in politics or being queen. She's just like, oh, okay, this guy I can talk to. He's interesting. The other part of the song is it's the most, I hate to say this word, I'm really sorry, punny song because it is, of course, Don't Lose Your Head. Look, I do agree. It is very punny. And I think seeing it on stage, I'm sure it's really charming. And it's very it's very whimsical to start with. And then it gets very serious very quickly. I like it because it's fun. Oh, I love it because it's fun. It's quite possibly my favorite song. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not certain on that, but it's, it's in contention. I really enjoy the fun of it. Yeah, it tells the story. It's punny. And it is the most, quote unquote, modern, I feel, mm. in the way it, it is lyrically very different to everything else. If I was going to give it like a best, like Catherine Ragan best costume, I would say it's got the best dialogue in it and how it plays with words and how it plays on ideas and, and reconceptualizes, you know, what essentially is very, very, very old fashioned dating in a very modern yes. context. I would say the way that it does that is so clever. Is it the most clever lyrics in the show? No. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> but I would say it's the most consistent lyrics in yeah. the show. It sets a theme, it sets a tone, and I'll tell you what, it executes on it. If there was a single song that I would use to encapsulate the whole musical, it would be Don't Lose Your Head. Interesting, yeah. Because it does show that modern, that twisting, that playfulness with the history. All right, I have a question for you, uh, Jake, a very serious question for you. All right, I'll have a very serious answer. Why am I crying over Jane Seymour? Because it is sung so beautifully. This song, Jane Seymour comes on and it is like Christina Perry. I literally was bawling my eyes out the first time I heard this song. I was not prepared. This is the best song in the show. I think the emotional like weight in it, to use your word, like gravitas, like, oh, it just like it hurt my soul hearing this woman sing about not living to see her son grow up. Like, I'm not a mum, but I feel like I'm a mum now. I was bawling my eyes out. I had to stop listening. It was too much. How do you feel about this song? I think it is like beautiful, beautifully sung and beautiful in its uh, musicality. Yes. But in terms of storytelling. Not a lot. Yeah, I'm reasonably ambivalent on it. I think, oh, wow, that is beautiful. I can feel the emotional power through the music of it. But I don't care. Wow. See, I I think it does nothing to push the narrative of what her courtship and relationship with Henry was really like. She makes a kind of allusion to saying, oh, you know, if I didn't have my son, he wouldn't love me as much. And, you know, there is like a genuine historical argument that that is potentially true but having said that when Henry VIII died his body was buried next to Jane Seymour so a lot of historians interpret that to think that maybe she was the one that he really loved and I think that's a really important thing to also acknowledge and maybe knowing that going into her song I was like oh there's so many feels here but yeah it doesn't do a lot for her narrative or what her life was like I think other songs from other queens really tell us who they are and this doesn't do that yeah, no, it's it's certainly an interesting song, and I can see why certain people would be very affected by it. Me, but it's me. He's yes. talking about me, guys. Me. I was very. <laughs> I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Allegedly. Um. Look, I think it's beautiful. I think the thing I like about this particular song is you can almost take it out of the musical and enjoy it without knowing the story or anything. I think it stands on its own really well. I don't know that the others do that so much. Yeah, but at the same time, I would say that that's kind of potentially a weakness of that. It's not connected. Well, exactly. It's not connected. It doesn't hold, it doesn't have that through line. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that, actually. It's an interesting one. I'm not saying it's a bad song because it's not. 
but I think it is incredibly, as I said, beautiful, but it's like a mirror in that it's got, it appears to have depth, but it's very thin. Oh, that's a lot. I need to unpack that another time, but... Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, all right, queen number four, we are talking about Anne of Cleves. I have to say, best comedy, worst outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Her outfit is awful. Yeah, nah. But comedy in that song, hilarious. Basically, she rolls in like being an absolute baller and kind of satirizing the fact that she is this very young, you know, objectively, maybe not aesthetically pleasing individual. And Henry felt like he was catfished by her. (laughs) But it's like, let's look at this for a fact. Like he is like 20 something plus years older than her. So of course she's going to roll and be like, how dare he objectify me? And her song is all about like, I'm the queen of the castle. Don't even come at me. My prenup's amazing. I now have all of these acres of land and I'm living my best life. And I just, it's so age appropriate for the world we live in and I love it. Oh yeah, it's so much fun. And it's also, again, so we're now back to a fun whimsical song because as you mentioned at this offset, like this musical has the premise of who had like the most tragedy in their life. And her song is like, oh yeah, I ended up not having to spend much time with this guy who like killed some of his wives. And I got a heap of money when I divorced him and now I'm living my best life. No man's telling me what to do. And she's like, I guess my life's actually not that bad, but thanks for inviting me to the party team. Like that's the vibe that I love it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so much fun energy in it. One thing I really like, again, being a massive history nerd, and especially this era is my specialization. She had these really clever puns about Lutheranism and Reformation. And I just, I really enjoyed them. I do have to say there were aspects of this song I wish were a little bit more refined. Yeah, I I feel that energy. It's a bit rough around the edges still. And I get that that's kind of the point. Like, she wasn't well refined. She wasn't real educated, and that's the point. Literally, she's got this whole thing. It's like, I'm the queen of the castle. Get down, you dirty rascal. I think it's supposed to be like that, but I also wish it was more clever than that, you know? I said this about the last song, but I honestly think it's kind of true of the musical itself, and maybe we'll get to that in our further thoughts. I get the feeling that every song seems to present more depth than it has. Yeah, I think there is an aspect of that. I think it makes it very palatable and approachable for a general audience. Yeah. We will talk about this in the spoiler zone because I have a particular rant that is incoming. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. It's hard to not compare it to Hamilton because Hamilton has its own issues and it lacks some historical depth and it has just complete falsehoods in many areas. Absolutely. Don't get me started on Angelica Schuyler's biography. But (laughs) this, I think, doesn't try to be taken as seriously as Hamilton does. Yeah. I wish it did take itself a little bit more seriously. Yeah, no, I think we will have to do a comparison of this with other historical musicals or modern musicals of historical things, which there's been a resurgence of in recent times. And I mean, I think it's because these tales are timeless. And I mean, we grow up learning about at school, Henry VIII and his six wives. There is the little nursery rhyme that the show basically starts with. Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. That one, yes. And I think that is really nice. I think through each character having their own song, it really personifies. These aren't just divorced, beheaded, died. That isn't what those women's lives total to being. It gives them more agency to say, like, even, you know, in Anne of Cleves' case, like, Yeah, he felt like he got catfished, but also he's 20 years older than me. He is not exactly a paragon of handsomeness and the most eligible bachelor in all of Europe. And I think that's really important as a healthy dose of reality check. Because even when I teach this, I go, Henry VIII saw a portrait of Anne of Cleves and was like, hey, she's kind of fit. And then meets her and he feels like he's been catfished. That's literally almost the sentence I give my year eights. Telling them about this, it's so much more complicated than that. And it deserves to be more complicated than that. I don't think this musical makes it as complicated as it deserves to be. No, I think that's all entirely fair. I'm so worked up. We're not even at my ranch yet. Yeah, I know. And I think what you're getting at there is also that this is sort of the theme and thrust of the musical itself, of it's trying to give more agency in its effective thesis statement of trying to give these women who were women lived full and complex lives in their own right more than a single word from a single line of a children's nursery rhyme. And I think it does do that, but I just also wish that it was a two and a half hour show that had adequate depth to some aspects of their characters and who they were, you know? Like, I I just want more from it, I guess. And I think Anne of Cleves is the point in the show when I'm listening to the soundtrack, I go, 
but tell me more about who you are. Tell me about what your yeah. life was like. And honestly, the next queen that we're going to get to in a minute, it, she does do that, I think, in her song. But mm. she's the exception to the rule. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, let's segue to Kay Howard, <laughs> who I think has the best characterization in the show. I think she's the most fleshed out, well-rounded. Her song has like four choruses. It is an epic of Greek yeah. kind of proportions. <laughs> is the only way I can describe it. And I think her, her message in that song is so powerful because it sort of starts with her looking for love and basically being manipulated and abused um, by men who were just kind of encapsulated by her like innocence and she keeps coming back to this reference of like playtime's over which makes sense because at the start of the song she's talking about a dalliance she had when she was 13 but she keeps coming back to like playtime's over playtime's over because i think men see her as sort of a play toy and i think it's a really important song as far as conversations around you know what women's roles in society were like at the time and the power they had and how often that power was abused by men absolutely i actually had completely missed that in this song and it is a really yeah this is i think the exception to the rule in all of those ways in that this is the song that i do feel has the most depth and does do the most with its storytelling because it does start with that early romance and it uses like now you mentioned it it uses that playtime's over as her saying oh i am i'm now an adult i can do adult things don't treat me like a child but then it twists it to the darker forms of how women may be used and particularly in her later life as she understands these things. And one thing that's really important about Catherine Howard is that the reason that she kind of ends up in Henry's circles, historically speaking, that's not touched on the musical, is because she was friends with his oldest daughter, Mary, and she's around the same age as her. Like, just think about that for a minute. Like, that is the age gap we're talking here. So, of course, an early 20-something young girl meeting the king, and the king's like, hey, I need you in my life. You make me complete. She's going to be like, oh, I guess, okay, it's meant to be. Like, he's also the head of the church. It's kind of a big deal. Of course that's an early 20-something girl's reaction in this world. And the way that she unpacks it and she kind of gets jaded as the song goes on, I think it's really important to see, like, no, she has agency, but she can't actually do anything about it. Like, she's aware that she's in a messed up power dynamic situation and she's kind of a constant victim to it and can't get out of it. And that's really sad. Oh, it it is. This is the song that I feel sad about. Like, I think it is possibly the best song in the musical. Interesting. But due to the dark nature of it, it's not my favourite. I don't generally enjoy listening to it because it doesn't make me happy. It's a lot. And I think the first time you listen to it, you're like, like you buff along to it. You're like, cool, this is fine. Like, yeah. And then you like listen to the lyrics and you hear her tone. She goes from being really high pitched and childlike at the start of the song to quite, you know, normal sort of alto rage. And you go, ooh, I don't like this anymore. This is this is kind of <laughs> gross, but I, I know the words now because this is the fourth chorus. I know the words. I can sing along with you. And I don't want to sing along with you because this sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. All right, our final queen. We're going to keep her short because we're going to leave a bit of her for the spoiler zone. Catherine Parr, number six, she's the one that famously survived. I think that the tonal shift between um, Catherine Howard and this whole kind of traumatic journey of her life into Catherine Parr, that tonal shift is very jarring, at least listening to the soundtrack. It's like, oh, hang on, this got really dark. And then all of a sudden this love letter style thing, which makes sense in the context of the song, which is fine. But it's the transition for me was like, I, I was still feeling icky from the previous song. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would completely. At the same time, I don't know how you do transition out of and for the most part this is a fun light-hearted playful musical i don't know how you transition out of those darker moments i mean i think they do it well after jane seymour because they have to and we'll talk about that in the spoiler zone i think that yeah there's something missing there and maybe seeing the show live there's a bit of comedy or something in between to break that tension but when you listen to the soundtrack and i mean really listen to the soundtrack the tonal shift is very jarring having said that catherine part the first half of his song I felt very dull, to be honest with you. I got distracted and started checking mm-hmm. like my phone because <laughs> I was yeah. just kind of bored. The second half was amazing. Yeah. And we'll talk about that specifically in the spoiler zone. But I think overall her song had the best message. If I was going to give her the best of something, it's the best message in her song. I think it's got this really nice finish to it that leaves a good taste in your mouth, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it is quite a 
nothing of a song mm. in the impact it left on me. It feels like a less good version of Heart of Star. Actually, yeah, I really like that. I really like how you put that. Yeah, it's not as it's not as powerful. Maybe this is where you can talk about the history. I don't need your love, yeah. which is Catherine Parr's song. Um, <laughs> is like I'm looking at the lyrics now. It's you know I love you, boy, in every single way. Though I love you, boy, blah blah. Is it addressed to a son or Henry? It is addressed to a separate gentleman, unfortunately. So, and it, it's not clear in the soundtrack though, and that's the thing. Like it's very that Kelly Rowland late 2000s vibe of a song and I get that I just I think this is one that doesn't work without seeing it on stage and I think that's where your confusion is coming from as well comparing I don't need your love to heart of stone they are both meant to be emotional love song sort of things I think so but one of them seems to carry its weight and the other one is forgettable (laughs) and I again I think there must be dialogue or something missing on the soundtrack that just doesn't translate without having seen the show in person So, look, I think it's a solid song. By this point, you've had five really strong queens, maybe with the exception of Anne of Cleves, the song was a bit weak in a few spots. I would have expected a real home run for the final song, and this is not that. So, look, there is a finale song afterwards. We'll talk about it in the spoiler zone. I still don't think that it achieves that, unfortunately, and it does leave me feeling a little bit dissatisfied with the finale of it based on Catherine Parr leading into the finale. Fair enough. All right, I've got some questions for you, Senor Jake. Are you ready? Yes. Who is your favourite queen? I think it's going to be Anne Boleyn because she's the one whose costume sticks in my mind the most because it's directly referenced in the songs with the green sleeves. She is, as I said, the most playfully done. Yes. She's the one in history that I know the most about, Mm. and that's still not a lot, but because she was directly involved in such a major event. Yeah, absolutely. She'd probably be my my second or my third. My first has got to be Catherine Howard. Yeah. And the song is just the storytelling in it. It just, it gets yeah. me. Having said that, though, not my favourite song in the musical. Oh. Do you want to share your favourite song or shall I go first? Well, I'll, I'll share my favourite song. Go this discussion it. has solidified it. So, yeah, it's definitely my favourite song. The one I enjoy the most is Don't Lose Your Head. I've had really? thought of processed it i've gone yeah it's as i said it's fun it's boppy it's got that real history to it it's still reasonably shallow it's very shallow (laughs) (laughs) but at least it doesn't try and hide that or pretend yeah yeah this is a silly bop and we're having fun about a girl and a boy who split up a church and then the boy split up the girl who hasn't done that honestly on a saturday night um and yeah and we're just, we're just having fun about this thing we're not trying to make it some big deep emotional thing that's interesting my favorite song is obviously heart of stone there's not very many moments i connect really strongly with something in this that song it just gutted me like it was just another level of like sobbing there's just something about it that was just fantastic so that's got to be my favorite from the like emotional like weight in it i do want to re-specify that i do think all you want to do is the best song. I think it is. It's the most well-rounded. It's the most well-rounded. It's the one that delivers on that depth by far. Totally. It's got the best storytelling. It's still clever. Honestly, it is still playful, but it plays dirty. And it, I think the thing, the reason why it's probably not in both of our number one spot, and I can't speak for you, but for me, it's like I leave and I feel sad when I end up yeah, finishing uh, that yeah. song. I feel, well, I don't feel sad. I feel dirty. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. It's clever. Yeah. It's great. It's just not something I want to put on in my playlist. Because it. it's not a feeling I that I enjoy having. I have one mini rant before I get to my major rant in the spoiler zone. Oh. <clears throat> double rants. How exciting. There's a double rant coming. This one's relatively short. Green sleeves. The song as a motif. I have... <laughs> Okay, first of all, can't stand the song. Let's just put that out there. And I know I'm coming into this with a serious level of subjectivity already. That is so anachronistic to put in there. There is actually no historical evidence to show that it appears in England until after Henry VIII's death. So it makes absolutely no sense that it should be conflated with Anne Boleyn. In fact, more likely it has its roots in the Italian Renaissance because it fits with the Baroque period of music. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Like, share and subscribe. (laughs) completely understand that that said this is again the me being at the other end of that spectrum i am aware that green sit leaves is a song and my knowledge of it is that it's somewhat considered a traditional english song 
I'm also aware that it is sometimes associated with Anne Boleyn. I literally could not tell you what it sounds like. When researching this episode, it mentioned that, oh, it's used as a motif. And I went, oh, that's neat. I, I didn't even notice. I don't even know. I could not tell you what how Greensleeves goes. For me, it's very anachronistic. But yeah. I think that's, again, I'm coming to this with a very different base level of knowledge to, I'm guessing, 90% of people. I also have to say, oh, no, an anachronism <laughs> in this modern musical where the queens are presented as pop icons and regularly refer to texting and profile pictures that's got almost a full-on you know, rock sound. Yeah, oh, that must be terrible to have some anachronism in that. Okay, fine, I feel very called out. But still, I'm going to stand by Green Sleeves is the cross I'm dying on this episode. Okay, it was Lobo M last episode. It's Green Sleeves today. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I understand your point in that they're trying to make a reference to something, and potentially that that reference is you know not supported by the historical data. Yeah, it's very contested, but... and like just like for me, I'm like, this is the debate you don't mess with. Don't tell me where Green Sleeves yeah. comes from because it's not guaranteed. We don't know. Were there any clever bits of history that you think that they did reference that wouldn't be noticed by, say, the likes of me? So there's two references that do jump out to me. I don't know if they, you picked them up or not, but there's one in the opening song, which is called Ex-Wives, where they talk about let's let's make it new like it's the Renaissance, which because Renaissance translates from the original Latin to mean rebirth. So for me, I was like, oh, that's really funny. Like, I actually laughed out loud because I'm a nerd like that. And then I think there's a reference in, I think it's Anne of Cleves' song, like, come on, girls, let's get in Reformation, because it's to do with the Reformation. And I was yep. like, that's funny. Like, I, my, the nerd inside <laughs> okay. of me was like, yes, get to the Reformation of the church. Tell me all about the dismantling of the Catholic monasteries, which doesn't happen in the show, at least. So you, you were all there for the historical puns. It was the historical puns. I mean, I'm a punny person, though. Like, puns just, I laugh over the stupidest puns for days at a time. I'm one of those people that when I hear a pun, I can't even tell someone else because I laugh so much. I, I like those things. I think that there was some aspects of history that I wish they had have picked up that weren't. And I think that left me more dissatisfied than the things that they put in. But, you know, I think that the way that they handled the Church of England thing and they, 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 they touch on it, but they don't dwell on it was was adequate enough to do that justice. I do just wish there was more, particularly for Anne Boleyn and, and Catherine um, Howard. You know, there's a story in, in history that when Anne Boleyn was beheaded, she was saying a prayer at the time and her head was chopped off and her lips kept moving about 30 seconds after she was decapitated because she was, the people say she was finishing her prayer before she died. And they say wow. that her ghost still haunts the Tower of London today, you know. And then with yeah. Catherine Howard, she was in prison for a long time before she was actually executed eventually and she used to get the jailers to bring in a block so she could practice looking pretty before <laughs> she was executed you know and this is kind of little interesting yeah. anecdotes i wish that had have come into it yeah that was going to be my other question of if you were like to be given like you you are now given the role of creative director huh. on six i've never been more ready for a job in my life <laughs> okay yeah what what are the little things that you would add and change like where where would we get that little Lauren Spice? I think we're going to have to leave that for the spoiler zone, Jake. Okay. I think there's All too right. much I want to talk about because I would change <laughs> a number of things in the spoiler I'm zone. I'm sure you would. So yeah. before we get to the spoiler zone, though, do you want to give me your favourite quote from the show? Uh, yeah. In this discussion, it has changed. I really struggled finding one because I think, the, as I said, you know, there's a lot of cleverness, but mm. none of it is, seems to be distilled down to one quote. Yeah. Um, it's all done through stylings but a single quote taken out of context doesn't seem to carry much weight no i agree having discussed this and now re-looking at it i'm gonna go with the one that you pointed out of playtime's over wow really yeah i like that well mine actually links to something i just said before and this is from end of cleave song which is probably my least favorite song from the show but it did make me laugh so her quote is dance so hard that i'm causing a sensation okay ladies let's get in reformation the wordplay just gets me <laughs> like, it, just, it gets oh. me every time <laughs> just, it's so dumb oh, no. but i love oh, it no. <laughs> Alrighty, jake if you were gonna give this show a score out of of course six what would you give it out of six 
I would go with four. I think this is it's like it's good. It's you know it, it's it's above the, like it's got a passing grade, but it doesn't <laughs> excel in any way. Like we'll say for the four wives not beheaded. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> I would give it a five out of six. I it just left me wanting a little more from it. Yeah. Having said that, it's super easy to listen to. I listen to it when I'm at the gym. Oh. It's fun. You can sing along to any of the songs. They're very catchy. It just left me historically wanting a little bit more, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think I completely agree with you. Amazing. Okay, Jake. So before we get to the spoiler zone, do you want to tell people where they can find us? Yeah, so you can tell me how I'm terrible about girl band knowledge. Yes. You can tweet at me through that at, at ShareContently. We're on Instagram where you can look at Lauren trying on various queen outfits. <laughs> Not really, but I'm sure I'm sure maybe one day. It could happen. That'll be, <laughs> it could happen. Uh, no, it's mostly just silly memes at this point, but that's uh, at ShareingContently. Or you can email us with your in-depth theses on how six is actually historically deeply accurate and we're missing all of this. And I will fight you to the death because you are Yeah, okay. please. <laughs> but that email would be uh, sharing.contently at gmail.com. Amazing. Awesome, guys. We're going to head to the outro and we will have spoiler chat then. So if you don't mind spoilers, stick around. Otherwise, go listen to six and then come back and hear our final thoughts. <laughs> All right, so Jake, I want to start off because you asked me a question about what I would change if yeah, I was the creative sure. director of the show. This is going to be probably a five-minute rant. <laughs> okay. Oh, please. So is this the big rant or is this is that still coming? You know what? It's probably going to blend into one because once I get going, right, you know fantastic. me with my patented yep. TED Talks. Yep. So feel free to stop me at any point and clarify. No, 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 no. Here is my first major issue with the show. Henry breaking with the Catholic Church was such... A historically significant event like the catholic church and the and the country and all like the entity of the united kingdom have never reunited with the catholic church that is how significant it is but that's and that's what henry the eighth is most known for and i understand that's him not his wives but also yeah. like it gets one comment like wait hang on a second like people died in raids and there was like the whole bloody mary thing when mary his oldest daughter who's his daughter of catherine of aragon comes and is like actually my mom was catholic catholicism was kind of nice let's make it catholic again and then obviously she dies very sad for her but also then elizabeth comes in elizabeth the first classic love her but she's like actually church of england kind of a vibe my mom who's anne boleyn she you know my dad whole divorced her to make this church it's obviously a big deal and that's still the church today like where is that conversation that's a really yeah. important conversation to have yeah, well, that's actually where I'm going to come in. And, yeah, I completely agree. Like, this musical talks about how it's trying to give agency to these women, but it frames all of them still just around their relationship to Henry. There is no discussion about their existence beyond that. And potentially, I, I don't know the history. I don't know how much knowledge there is of them beyond their relationship with the king. But I didn't feel that this gave them any extra agency i still you were going through them and naming them i can name i i struggled with the names of the vice girls i'm gonna struggle i struggle with the yeah. names after this of the queens to me it's the first queen the second queen the th like, like you say oh is it anne of cleves like i'm still not sure. anne of cleves number four number four she's got the four earring i'm like that's great but that just solidifies in my mind that i just know them by their number I mean, I, I agree with you 95% of what you said. I think Catherine Parr, who's number six, her song at the end really reclaims her agency. She has this whole sort of verse about how she was very well educated. She was actually known to be going around having theological debates with Henry VIII before he died. Like, she would really be like, hang on a second. Like, what gives you divine authority? Da, 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 da. Like, she was actually quite a baller. She's the only one, I think, who gets agency. Catherine Howard, who's number five, that obviously has your favorite song as her motif yeah. she i think is aware that she lacks agency but all of the others i agree with you on that yeah. i'm clearly simplifying to some extent but yeah. yeah i don't think this like the way that the musical presents itself and particularly the final song with the twist of like let's reframe our story and give ourselves happy endings yeah. of, it tries to reframe them as women in their own right and characters in their own right without beyond this relationship 
but it does that in the final minutes so that it doesn't actually matter. But it's also still not that significant because it's like, oh, Catherine of Aragon goes to a monastery and has her sister act moment. Jane Seymour Hmm. lives and goes on with Henry VIII and they sing songs and it's like they still don't have that true agency, I don't think, which is a shame because Henry's two daughters, who obviously come in after Jane Seymour's son dies, he's like 15 when he dies, you know, these were two women that were very powerful, actually, in their own rights. Like, why do Mm. they not get a cameo or a song? There's no acknowledgement of their legacies and what they're going to bring to England. Because, you know, obviously Mary was terrible. Literally, that's where we get Bloody Mary is from how many people she killed. you got to kill a lot of people to be called Bloody Mary, by the way. (laughs) Same as being Vlad the Impaler. you got to impale a lot of people to be called Vlad the Impaler. (laughs) You have these powerful queens that come through, and Elizabeth is so great in her own right in really establishing the Church of England as an entity. Where are their stories in this? Yeah, where's that? Where is that wider context you were talking about, the Church of England, and how significant that was? And all of the songs, literally all of them, are about the women's relationship to Henry. And that's it. Yeah. There is some other things that are brought in to give context to that relationship, but what the song is always about is that relationship. Admittedly, it does demonstrate the relationships as being very problematic in a number of cases, especially um, Catherine Howard and I would say Anne of Cleves to a lesser extent. But I just, I just want more. I think the history there is too rich to, to glaze over. I'm genuinely curious now. Like in this musical, which is entirely filled with female characters, yeah. and the band is also female. Yeah, the band is also female. It's, you know, it is very strong women power. Does it pass the Bechdel test? Is there a conversation not about a man, in the man in question being Henry? I mean, within the context of the songs, I would say the only exception is Catherine Parr sings at the start of her song a love letter to a love that I'll talk about in a minute, but that's still about yeah. a love. It's yeah. not about, like, an objective platonic kind of thing. Then it's still about a man. Like, it, it, oh, it's all, no. like... It doesn't. Pa- I don't think it does pass the Bechdel test. Oh, don't do this to me, Jake. This hour-long musical with no male characters, where every p- person who speaks is named, as far as I can tell, doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Let's go through. Catherine Aragon, no, because she talks about Arthur. Yeah. She talks about Henry. Anne Boleyn, definitely not. Or she talks about her dad, but I don't think that counts. And then goes into Henry. Jane Seymour talks about her son and Henry. So I would say that's not a pass. Anne of Cleves, no, because she talks about how she was rejected and stuff. Maybe, though, because... Potentially Anne of Cleves with her, look at me, I'm so baller. I mean, it's that's her attitude, though. That's not her interaction with the other women. That's the problem. Yeah. Then you've got, obviously, Catherine Howard. Hard no, because her whole song is about how she's been mistreated by men. And then Catherine Parr, the first half is a love letter to a man who is not Henry VIII. And then the second half is her reclaiming her agency over her life. But... Okay, maybe in that maybe. maybe in that final twist that like they cool. So in the last five minutes of the show, we pass. Well done. Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. Maybe I shouldn't have given it a five out of six. I mean, I'm I, sorry. I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah. I do think the Bechtel test is problematic, and we can talk about that another oh, time. Oh, it absolutely as is. As a baseline, especially in this context, which is a, supposed to be a show about empowering women. The point I'm trying to make is that the opening song, Ex Wives, talks about how that they are just known for the single word in a nursery rhyme and that's and oh no we we want to give them more character than that give them more but i i I still don't think it does that's a really crunchy question and it makes me very uncomfortable the more i think about and again that's another thing that i would look at and i would review if i was the creative director of this show which i'm not um for reasons because i'm not qualified mostly <laughs> um but i'm having to give lots of free advice in a podcast so i'm really yeah. the hero amongst men the second thing i could change if i could just shift gears back slightly yes of course sorry i would put in a song about mary boleyn about the boleyn sisters because that's very contentious their relationship and what that was like mm. and that the actual pressure that was on anne boleyn to give in to henry's advances is really, like, it's alluded to in her song, but the fact that he was with her sister while being married to Catherine of Aragon and there's all this kind of shenanigans going, where is this conversation? Because that's a conversation. I want to be in the room where that conversation's happening because that sounds hilarious. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, there's a lot of room for more. And that's what I was... That's what I was sort of alluding to in that it's a show that seems to present as it has a lot of depth. But for the most part, 
it's just a presentation. It doesn't back it up most of the time. Again, I just want, if it was a two hour, two and a half hour musical, I think it would have that depth. For me, that's why I call it like an experience rather than a musical. I guess framing device, the conceit of, you know, here is a girl band putting on the pop show is an interesting concept. Yeah. But I don't think it allows for that depth. I think that actually detracts from the overall experience. It's a fun conceit. But in execution, it doesn't add as much as it takes. Yeah, like it's a charming endeavour. And I think if you're not engaged in the history, then you're happy to just kind of go along with it as an experience. But I think as soon as you scratch beneath the surface, like... Even without the history, just as pop icons are not are that they're icons they're not characters and trying to present these historical characters these historical women these queens as pop icons doesn't lend them any more depth do you know what i would have liked instead of them rewriting their stories we're sort of jumping ahead a bit but what i would have liked better is for them to sounds really cheesy but you know for all of them to be like Catherine of aragon here's why your life was amazing let's sing a verse about your life hey Anne Boleyn, you were beheaded, but you were also put in a really tough position. Like, having that real women supporting women lifting each other up, I think that would have been really powerful. To be like, let's look at some historical assets of your life and present them in an engaging way that not only lifts you up and elevates you to be a three-dimensional person, but also is a celebration of that because we aren't just those lines in a nursery rhyme. 100% onto something there. All right, my second, well, my second, maybe my third. (laughs) I lost track of how many rants I have. Um, this one is a big bit of a spoiler for the show. It's a big song we skipped over, yeah. which is the House of Holbein song. Now, I understand that the vibe and the tone of the song is supposed to be like one of those trashy yeah. Eurovision kind of experiences. Personally, as someone who doesn't understand Eurovision, and feel free to email me and tell me why I need to get on board. Oh. I hated the song. I thought it was so... T- I, I get why it was there. It's tonally to shift from Jane Seymour crying about her son to then obviously Anne of Cleves being like, I'm the queen of the castle. My life is amazing. I just don't understand why that song exists still. Like, I get it's a tonal shift and that's it. I don't know why that song exists, but I'm on the other end of... Like, you were talking before about what would be our two favourite songs. House of Hallmars would possibly be number two for me because it is so fun. And I love that it just leans so heavily into that Europop, Eurotrash, like, vibe. And I'm just, like, it's short and it's energyful and it also has those fun lines. I actually think that that's one that doesn't try and present depth, but has a little bit in that it discusses the beauty standards to which women are put through historically and even still yeah. today of, uh, you know, where corsets doesn't matter if you can breathe. I do get that, and I appreciate those aspects of the song, but at the cost of a conversation about the Church of England or a oh, song about yeah. the Boleyn sisters <laughs> or a song that I'm going to talk about. Are you ready for the granddaddy of all rants? Ah, uh, I'm strapped in. I'm on the edge okay. of my seat. There we go. Let me tell you Let me tell you a tale about a gentleman in the show who is mentioned once or twice, but not really in totality that he deserves. And his name is Thomas Seymour. Now, you go, hey, Seymour, isn't mm-hmm. there a wife known as Jane Seymour? Yes. Yes, he is. This is Jane's brother. Let me just tell you about Thomas Seymour and why he should have been included in the show. I know, I know, this is a show about empowering women, but let's just have a moment and think about what the story is and also the missed opportunity of having a whole song about Thomas Seymour. So, Thomas Seymour, Jane Seymour's brother. He was a bit of a philanderer, you know, typical man of the, you know, English Renaissance period. He is the guy that Catherine Howard is singing about in the final verse of her song that seduces her and has an affair with her and ultimately results in her getting charged with adultery and getting beheaded. That is her brother, Jane Seymour's brother, Thomas Seymour. Wait for it. I'm not done. So then obviously Catherine Howard gets beheaded. R.A.P. Very sad about that. Then uh, Catherine Parr starts singing her song, You Know I Love You Boy. Do you want to know who that song's written to? Do you want to know? It's Thomas Seymour. She's in love with the same guy. Why is there no conversation about the fact that Thomas Seymour is the guy? And then when Catherine Parr outlives Henry VIII, she marries Thomas Seymour. And there is no mention of this in the show. I just, I don't understand. Like, this guy obviously was a complete baller for his time, let's be honest. Like, knows three out of Henry's six wives and definitely was involved with at least two of them. And, like, he's a throwaway line. Like, she makes a reference, like, I love you, Tom, or something, like Catherine Parr does. You know, Catherine Howard in her whole song about, like, this one, you know, courtier who's very nice to me. It's like, it's the same guy. Tell tell the people they're going to be interested that it's Jane's brother. 
Tell the people. The people must know this information. I'm very worked up. I'm sweating. I am so worked up about oh, this. This is my biggest critique of this show. I think you're 100% justified in that because I was so invested in this story as you're telling it. And yeah, that it makes fantastic extra drama in this. And Like, ditch the House of Holbein <laughs> and have a song about our friend Tom. Oh, yeah. No, I no, want to no. know that story. I was on the... Th- I was before, like... Big upping House of Holbein. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If I could get a song about Tom, and again, this would still like not help us with the whole Bechdel test thing. But yeah, definitely not. Give us that extra drama and that interlinking, because that's the other thing that I do think this is lacking: is that each queen gets their own song in their silo, and we don't yes. see that broader context of the world that they lived in. And that's it. And it's like. It just blows my mind because when I was listening to this, I was like, oh, okay, there's got to, if they do House of Holbein of all things, (laughs) I'm like, surely there's going to be a funny dialogue or something that is like, oh, you know Tom? I know Tom. Wait, Tom, my brother Tom? Like something, something, but there's nothing. And it's like, unless you know the history, I think that's why people don't get angry about it. But I was like, I left and I was like, wait, she's not even going to mention the fact it's Jane Seymour's brother? Like, Catherine Parr, of all people, isn't going to be like, oh, so I married your brother and we lived on happily ever after. Yeah. Like, no. what? I, I'm, now, what? I'm now very disappointed. Like, thank you for that rant. I am. You're so welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm actually sweating. I'm so worked up. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, I understand that it's all about women empowerment and I... I don't disagree with that. I think that is so important as a message. But I think that there's also, you get to a point of doing a disservice to some of the source material. Yeah, absolutely. And I would kill for a 30-second banter soundbite of the Queen's arguing over who knows Tom best. It's just something. Like, give me just something petty. You just conveyed this story in, I'd say, probably less than a minute. You know, it's adding one extra character that links in and adds extra drama. Why would you not include that? And that's my thing. And, like, when I was, like, going into it, having talked to a bunch of, obviously, history teachers, because those are the people that I work with, I was shocked that there was not even really a solid mention until you get to Catherine Parr at the end being like, I love you, Tom. And it's like, wait, what? That's it? Like, that's Thomas Seymour. Like... The name rings a bell for me. And, you know, I have spent, I don't know how long and how many different times trying to get my head around the War of the Roses. And if there is a good... Oh, it's fictional uh, enactment of that, like a way to get in to understand it. That'd be great. I've tried to read books. I've whatever. And that is a complicated mess of a thing. But you have just like one extra character and it doesn't create, create, doesn't make the web wider. Like, why is that not there? I'm, I'm so mad alongside you right now. (laughs) It feels very strange to me. It just feels like a glaring black hole and I just, it leaves me wanting more. I think, but if if I didn't know the history and I didn't have to teach it every year, I wouldn't care as much, but it just feels like such a missed opportunity. I think that's perfectly fair. I was just about to describe the show as it's very, you know, clever. It's very poppy. But at the same time, when you stop and look at it, it's also disappointing in just a number of little ways where you're like, oh, I want more from this. I mean, I think it's fun as an experience. And I think maybe this is where doing this process, we're always looking for more and we're wanting to unpack stuff and we don't really just sit back and enjoy things as an experience anymore. Um, And I can say that, you know, working on what the next episode is going to be at the moment, I'm just like, oh, I'm really analyzing this as I'm listening to it. But I think... You know, it's a fun experience, but if you look any anywhere beneath the surface, you just want a little bit more. Yeah. All right, we might leave it there. So, Jake, do you want to say bye to people today or shall I do oh, I think it's your turn. I think it is my turn. It's been a while. So, oh, I'm so ready for my moment. Are you ready, guys? Spotlight. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>